Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris, or Velosos, and you're listening to So Over 50 Thursday on So Organised Style Podcast. Stay listening. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Hi everyone, welcome back to So Over 50 Thursday on So Organised Style Podcast. Today on So Over 50 Thursday, we have a wonderful guest who is a So Over 50 follower that I know you're going to want to meet. Her name is Elaine and you'll find her on Instagram under the Instagram name of Lainey Makes. Elaine, welcome to So Over 50 Thursday on So Organised Style Podcast. It's great to have you here. Oh, hi, Maria. Thanks so much for having me. It was a really nice surprise to get your invitation. And I can see from the background, you've got a lovely sewing area that you look really comfortable in. Yeah, I'm really lucky. I know that some people have teeny tiny spaces to sew in. I've got not a whole room, but it is a quite a nice space behind me. I've managed to fill it with a huge stash full of lovely fabrics and toys behind me. But yeah, I'm very happy to work in my little space here. Now you've got me curious when you said the word toys. So let's start from the beginning. People want to follow you on Instagram. Where should they go to? Um, It's Lady Makes. It's just an anagram of my name. And it started out, I wasn't going to be doing entirely sewing. I thought it would be lots of things because I've got lots of different hobbies. It was just all about the things I make. And I think of my hobbies fondly and my machines as toys, which is what I meant when I said all the toys behind me. So I've got my sewing machines as well as other bits and bobs. Do you have any other social media accounts? I have a blog. I've called Laney Makes as well. And I also have a space on my Facebook, also under the the name Laney Makes. Pinterest as well, kind of all of those little areas I've got a little finger in. (laughs) Have you always sewn or is this one of your adult crafts that you've picked up? I've always sewn. I can't really put a firm spot on when I started because I think like so many people, my mum taught me, mum was a seamstress and she used to sew our clothes when we were kids because I was a bit of a mommy's girl. I used to follow her around and she taught me to sew. And again, my story, I think, is like many people. I sewed for my dolls when I was a kid. When I reached teenage, I started to sew bits and pieces for myself. And I guess I think my real sewing started when I was about 15, when I'd be wandering around. We'd be window shopping in Chelsea Girl. All the Brits will, uh, of my age will remember that, I'm sure doing the whole window shopping thing and thinking, oh, I can't stretch my pocket money to get those things, so I'll make my version of them. And that's really when I started. Were you buying fabrics or buying fabric remnants when you first started sewing? Yeah, it was mostly reusing. You know, before I knew about refashioning or anything like that, upcycling, those terms haven't been invented. But it was remaking things from clothing I had already, scrounging bits and pieces of my mum's leftover fabric. When I got a bit older, we've got, we had, a, I still have, I guess, a brilliant market in Birmingham where I grew up called the Rag Market. And they sold very reasonable fabric there. So I could go and get bits and pieces from there when I've reached the stage where I could get my own stuff. 
And have you always lived there? I live in Brighton now, down the south coast, and have done for, well, well, 30-odd years now. So I stayed in Birmingham until I was my mid-20s and then moved down here. For a better life? Yes, yeah. I did the thing of, I moved with a boyfriend uh-huh. and moved to Brighton. And it really suits me because it, it's a seaside town, but it has the vibe of a, the, a mini city. I'm a city girl, I think, because... I don't know if you know, Birmingham is the second city in the UK. It's a big city. So I'm a city girl, but Brighton's got everything as far as I'm concerned. It's got a city vibe, but it's walkable. You can walk anywhere here. It's got a beach and you're about 10 minutes from the countryside. So it's a lovely life down here. Oh, lovely. I visited there once and it is beautiful. Long time ago. Well, I've been to your neck of the woods in Sydney as well and, and loved it. Absolutely loved Australia. And they want to go back there one day when we can travel again. <laughs> exactly. One day when we can travel would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other crafts that you enjoy outside of sewing or is sewing your main hobby? Sewing is the main hobby at the moment, but I am a real jack of all trades. I, I learned to crochet when I was young as well. I hadn't done a lot of that, but I keep looking at it and think I might pick it up again. <laughs> This last few months, I've picked up knitting again, and I've knitted a couple of jumpers in the last few months, so that I'm getting back into, but I love to try all sorts of things. I paint, I like making things, I like building things, I think, overall, So, and I've always had this approach to things. I see something, and I go, oh, I like that, and then my next thought is, I can learn to do that, (laughs) yes. So crocheting, knitting, painting. I like cooking, but I'm not a great cook and my partner does most of our cooking. And I, I also like doing things like building computers. Okay. I used to be an MT teacher, as well as the creative side. I like technical things as well. So I built computers as well for a while. You get really involved in the technical side of what you do. Yeah. And I think coming back to my sewing, when I started to sew seriously, I was one of those people who has to learn every technique. So it was, oh, make a simple T-shirt. Then I've got to do something with a zip or buttons. Then I moved on until gradually I was making coats and collecting the whole set of skills, I suppose. While you see things and then you want to make them, are there any designers who have inspired you with your sewing? I think my absolute favourite is Donna Karam. In my pattern stash, I have a whole load of Donna Karam patterns, which amazingly, I've not made very many of them. And it's one of those things that recently I decided I was going to actually start using some of those patterns. For me, she has a kind of elegance mm. that I aspired to. And I love the flow, the drape of her patterns. I really like her styles. When you choose a style or a pattern, what is it that you look for? Yeah, when I think of my style, I sometimes think I'm a bit stuck in the 80s stroke 90s style. I really love that power dressing look (laughs) to a certain extent. I love that column, that upright and elegant look. And I think she encapsulates that style that I like. I think she uses fabrics which flow and she was always very much into drape. And also, one thing that I like that she always talked about fitting all sorts of bodies, which is something I really liked as well. I felt that that meant that it could include me too. 
It's more empowering that way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So before we go on to talk about Sober 50, did you want to talk about anything for Black History Month? I think my overall feeling for it is obviously they have, this is the US time for celebrating it. I just want to emphasise to people that wherever they are, this isn't just a US issue and that it's something that we should be focusing on wherever we are. This last six months or so, it's really made me focus a lot more on it and recognise the things that are happening where I am. And I think that's one of the things I'd like to see in Black History Month is that people are looking at this idea, this isn't an isolated thing, it isn't somebody else's problem. There are things happening in pretty much every Western society, I guess you can say, can look at their own surroundings and say, you know, where's our version of George Floyd, I guess, and where's our, what's happening in our neighbourhood and what can we do? I think last year when I started looking at, I helped Natita and Myra with Black History Month pattern designers. Mm -hmm. And so when I was doing the research, you're right, Black History Month for the US is February, but it's different for the UK, isn't it? Yes, yes, October. I'm hoping that this year I'll have something in that period where, you know, we can look at Black History pattern designers in the UK yeah yeah. got a bit more research to do on my side I feel that I want to do something along those lines as well because I think while I'm very much in favor of this idea it's not up to black sewers black people to carry this weight Mm. I do think that I want to contribute to hopefully to everybody's growth as well I don't know how to respond to that other than one of the things that I was able to do last year By the time I got to May, I realised that the one thing I could at least do was do an acknowledgement to country at the start of every podcast because I live in Australia and that's one of the ways of recognising our first peoples. Yes, yeah. I'm really happy to see things like that appearing around our sewing community because I've noticed there have been people in Australia doing that, people in Canada are talking about the First Nations and so on. And I think that's part of the progress we can all make. Hmm. Yeah, it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, yeah. Elaine, where can people find out more information about Black History Month online? During Black History Month in the UK, I found started to find a few sources that I found really helpful, helping me to learn and understand about Black History in the UK and a couple of those were UK Black History which gave a lot of information about people in our heritage in all walks of life Mm -hmm. but also one called Black Poppy Rose which focused on the involvement and the contribution of Black and African people in the two world wars that are often overlooked when we come to celebrate the Remembrance Day celebrations. So we'll have those links on the podcast blog post. So over 50, the account, when did you first come across it? I was thinking about this earlier and I think it, I can't entirely remember whether I followed Judith before or after So Over 50 began. It was around about that sort of time in 2018. I just started following socialists and I think they were talking about it might have been Pride Week somewhere. Yeah. And they were talking about that and I got interested in following that and thought what an amazing platform socialist was. 
and yeah I'm really I still can't quite remember which which came first either following <laughs> Judith or seeing the so over 50 tag but I think I hopped on pretty soon after it started because I thought yeah it, it did make me want to realize that there are all sorts of little fences I guess sometimes that keep people on the outside of a group mm. and it's one of those I'm not sure how to how to express it I was seeing a lot of things about millennial sewists and things like that and thinking oh what about us oldies <laughs> and feeling that there so, must be so many women of my age is thinking oh well, where does that leave us if it's all about the youngsters that was what attracted me and thought oh great this is something that I can be part of it's not just one age group that should be all about patterns and fashion yeah and yeah all ages have their ideas around what they want to wear what they feel comfortable in and what they love to make and wear and I think that's one of the sober 50 things that has been great about the community yeah and I it really resonated when they were talking about this idea of you know so 50 visible it is so true that and it's such a funny thing that you know as you go through your lives when you're young you don't care about these things you don't think you don't even think about it you think I'm going to wear what I want to wear and then when you suddenly actually yes I have become invisible you know you've kind of passed that threshold where you realize yeah that, that we are uh, glossed over out on the edges when it comes to things like fashion mm-hmm. body image you know are we allowed to dress fashionably anymore things like that it's quite um, well, it's a whole can of worms, isn't it? It can be. Yes. So I, I agree wholeheartedly. I still want to make clothes. I still want to be fashionable. I still want to look sexy, you know, and you can start to feel that you're actually, you know, you're not allowed to once you're older. Mm. So I think this has been such a great movement for, for people like me, <laughs> people like us. What are some of the things that you've been making that express who you are? In the, the last few months, I was really lucky. I participate in Minerva Makers, and that's been really great for me because it's allowed me to experiment a bit and kind of go a little bit out of the beige and plain box <laughs> that it's easy to fall into. And at the end of the year, I kind of just got into making all this shiny stuff. <laughs> I made party wear, I guess, and I think it might have been a bit of a reaction to the pandemic that I just felt like I wanted to make shiny stuff. And I made a satin bomber jacket, trousers. I made a sheer organza trench coat and a sheer jeans jacket, which I was really happy. I won I won a little prize for that in this lovely challenge. There's a lovely challenge that I've been watching for, I'm going off on a tangent. I've been watching for a few years and run by Linda Mackey, at a nice dress thanks I made it mm-hmm. and she encourages us to really fulfill our designer dreams so you take a designer inspiration and make your own version and I made a transparent organza jeans jacket which was one of the one of the winners of the challenge oh wow I'm looking at your makes right now they are lovely oh thank you it's such a great thing to be able to make things. I just think it's like magic. Yeah. The organza jacket looks great. You look like the model and the designer. Oh. It looks great. <laughs> That's really sweet. Thank you. Oh. And it was so much fun. 
it's one of the things I love about the sewing community in general. They have these challenges that you can participate in, you can join in and meet other sewists on, in all over the world. It's just one, one of the wonderful things about this whole Sew Over 50 and the wider sewing community is why I love it so much. And it's a, a great way to stay connected when you're at home and you have to stay home. Yeah, yeah. I was really sceptical when I joined Instagram and I thought, oh, all this time online, people, you, all these people you don't know, why, why are you even joining in with this? But it has been a great source of fun, a great source of connection. And I found it really fulfilling being able to connect with people, being able to talk with people on the other side of the world who share, share your interests. And it kind of goes beyond sewing as well. You're able to talk about things that you maybe don't have a platform to talk about anywhere else. It's done in a very respectful way and it's very supportive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I, th- I don't think I've seen hardly any negativity, certainly none in So Over 50. It's all so supportive. And it's no wonder why they've got over 26,000 followers now. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and it's, it grew so quickly and still growing from what I understand. So, yeah, I think definitely was an amazingly good spot that that niche was needed yeah there's a lot of us around yes yeah (laughs) if there are any listeners who are still thinking about following the sober 50 account what advice would you give them I would say just do it I've seen over time people kind of say oh how do I get involved and will people follow me and I think you just have to join I remember I've been on Instagram five years now and I still remember when I first started and I had one follower which was actually me (laughs) from another account (laughs) and I you're thinking oh nobody will ever follow me nobody will want to look at what I'm doing but joining and just engaging like what people are doing putting your things out there and someone will like what you're doing and someone will follow you and like you and join it so that's the only advice join in and go with it if you don't want to say or contribute you can always watch and share yes and it doesn't cost anything no no that's it it is a totally no pressure community to join you're absolutely right nobody's under pressure to post anything to be honest nobody's under pressure to say anything if they don't want to and I expect the way that I progress will be the way that most people did you kind of lurk for a little bit and you go oh that's nice like like and then you start oh comments comments and eventually you're joining in fully so I think if people are nervous I'd say don't be it's a very very welcoming group to be in and and totally no pressure great Elaine thank you so much for coming on to sew over 50 Thursday on so organized style podcast thank you so much for having me it's so exciting I was really nervous at the beginning but you really made me feel very comfortable and I'm blabbing away now like we've been doing this forever thank you so much oh you sound like a professional Elaine thank you so much (laughs) And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of Soul Organised Style Podcast for So Over 50 was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Elaine. Sound by bensound.com. 
You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast, spelled with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and from all good podcast apps. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our website at soulorganisedstylepodcast.com or on Soul Organized Style Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.